I guess my question is, are we keeping it to like diagnosed anxiety, or are we keeping it to like? I think it can be more. Anxiety. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it needs to be. I think because anxiety like, can be like a pretty dull term, also. Yeah. Like in yeah, terms no, that's of like true, how people true. use it. Right. So that's the only reason I'm bringing it up. Because I'm like, I think that there's like, anxiety could like, you know, uh, describe a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Are you asking if you're allowed to participate? I guess. Yeah. I guess like, yes, you definitely. are. <laughs> okay, cool. Shall Don't. we record our intro? Yeah, we can record our intro. Alright. I'm Ashley Cunningham. And I'm Susanna Wilson. And you're in The, the Wet Seat. <laughs> this week... We are uh, joined by our lovely friend and former roommate, Maria Di Pasquale. Oh, ow! Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> the Pussy Palace is back together. Woo. Who has foolishly agreed to come onto our podcast. Drink um, some wine with us. <laughs> and talk about sex. Uh, As if this were unusual somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and not the foundation of our friendship. Yeah. yeah, this is secretly just a look into every single day at the Pussy Palace. <laughs> I know something we have to do. Maria. Yes. I need you to introduce yourself. Tell us who you are! Like, like, just my name or like more No, than that. you can say like all your social justice shit. Okay, alright, alright. We wanna know who you are! All right, all right. Right. What drives you, what inspires you, what wow. work you're currently this is, up this to. This is a lot, but I can do it. Okay. So my name is Maria Di Pasquale. I'm, I'm interning currently for a union um, and also taking classes toward an advanced certificate in labor studies potentially eventually a master's um, and I'm basically just hoping that after this I will get to get a job hopefully in communications research or political policy at a union or labor organization um, I've been doing activism around workers rights since like sophomore year of college um, and super important there's super big intersections between mental health sexuality women and yeah. um, work and it's also a really scary time to be in the labor movement since National right to work legislation got introduced in the Trump administration, uh, and all unions might be destroyed soon. But trying to keep up the hope. Uh, <laughs> aren't we all? Um, yeah, and I am also in a relevant to this conversation in a long-term relationship of almost four years. Ooh. Yeah. That's cute. I think this is the party episode where people go, ooh, and yeah. keep their glasses yeah. and go, oh my god. No <laughs> idea how that happened. <laughs> Yeah, with a monogamous, pretty boring monogamous heterosexual <laughs> relationship, so. <laughs> it's kind of awesome to hear you describe it as pretty boring. I don't know. That's like I mean, in comparison exciting. to, like, all of my friends' relationships, yes. It's, like, the, the one that is portrayed on, like, TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, well, I guess my first question is, like, what is your experience of anxiety? And... When did when did it become apparent to you that like it had to be something that was addressed in your sex life? Mm. Loaded question. <laughs> um, yeah, take a sip. Yeah, that was a good idea. This is why the wine is incorporated. <laughs> I feel like more than anything else, it's like all any of the issues I have in my sex life are usually like triggered by anxiety. So I don't know mm. if I thought about it like that, but I just think huh. about it as, like, specific issues that I've had in sex, usually, like, the root of them is my anxiety. Mm. Interesting. So, like, 
whenever I like feel like I don't have like like they're like going in a long distance relationship there's definitely like times when people are out of sync with like wanting to have sex as often definitely. but I feel like whenever it happens to me where my sex drive is really low it's always because of anxiety like I'm always having like mm. high stress week or a high stress day or like I'm doing fine, and then I'm like, oh, great, like, I'm ready to have sex tonight, and something happens, and it's like, nope, yeah. I can't, like, I cannot get back there when I have, like, a really anxious day, hmm. like, and that's, like, an issue sometimes, because then I feel anxious about, like, wanting to stop, you right. know, as an anxious person, I'm like, oh, but I already started, I should, like, try to finish it out, and then I'm like, right. no, and yeah. then I feel, like, shit for, like, bail, you know, you know, whenever you like, kind of bail halfway through sex, even though you know you shouldn't feel like shit, I usually feel a little bit like shit. Absolutely. I guess my question is, like, what is the... In your experience, Maria, yes. What? How do you personally manage that gray area of that gray area of like desire versus desire versus like checking in with your personal self and yeah. being like, I don't know if I'm actually into this right now, or like I'm yeah. dealing with some shit in my head right now that I'd rather not have to bring into this. Mm. Like, is the I guess I'm asking like, and each of us can answer, but like, yeah. how do you navigate those kind of situations. You can okay. use stories. You can yeah. use general blanket statements. I mean, I think it's probably, like, a different answer. Like, being in a relationship for almost four years probably gives me an advantage because mm -hmm. I talk about my anxiety as often with my boyfriend as I do my, like, mm -hmm. any sexual things mm -hmm. we're talking about. So, like, if, yeah. I mean, a lot of times if I'm having an anxious day, like, we'll already know that, like, we're not having sex that night, mm -hmm. like, beforehand, but... I also think at this point, like, we've talked enough about the amount of times that, like, I've been like, I don't want to have sex, or, like, or, like, mm -hmm. a, we start having sex, and I'm like, no, actually, I can't. Yeah. That he usually knows that that's the reason why. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think I'm just trying, like, it was a lot harder at the beginning, because mm -hmm. that obligation is totally, like, I was literally having um, this conversation with my friend who was in a relationship for the first time in a while, and she also has anxiety, and we were talking about yeah. it, and she literally was like to me, like, do you ever just, like, not want to do it and, like, feel like you have to, even though you're really not feeling it? And that, I feel like that was, like, my, and it was, she was at probably about the time in her relationship when I, for me, I had the same issue. And I think mm -hmm. just being, like, no, this is going to be a long-term relationship. Like, I need to always listen to what I'm saying and mm -hmm. be, like, nope, this can't happen. So I think just, like, refusing to give in and being true to myself and being open about my anxiety in other ways that don't affect sex, like just in yeah, all, like, like all not the just ways. bringing right. it up in is, the sex realm, yeah, like in is, general. is like the best way for me to make sure that that's respected and it's safe, if you, I like that, that word to describe it. Yeah. So I think a golden rule of mental health advocacy is, um, I think it can sometimes be that if a partner expresses like distress mm -hmm. over mm -hmm. like mental health in some way and the other partner didn't do it first or the other partner like didn't mm. say it loud enough that they become the the like victim somehow and, and the other like, party becomes the one like taking care of them. Not necessarily like that. I think that there's just like this there can be a tension of like, oh, I have a responsibility to like stay in this strong role. Right. Is what I heard. Right. I feel like I feel like I've had that issue and it's just ongoing like I don't think it's something that can be resolved in like one single moment like I don't know like what can't be which resolved? issue yeah like, like issue taking up like I, I guess like taking up like roles based on like mental health mm -hmm. and like like one person being the primary person who has mm -hmm. mental health issues over the other like creates like it's just like, like I am the person with the mental health issue in my our relationship right. but like 
example, right now my partner is unemployed and like it's been for a few months and he's really depressed about it. I'm also I've been going through a high anxiety and time the entire time we've been here. Yeah. So we're both in really shitty mental health places and we're used to it just being me in the shitty mental health place right. while he helps me. Like we obviously had a brief period when his dad died when like a lot of my anxiety mm -hmm. went on the back burner mm -hmm. for obvious reasons. Um, but I think it's like something that we navigate every single day and like we definitely get in fights about it too because I think that I definitely am can be blamed for like putting his mental health on the back burner because I'm just used to mine being like center mm -hmm. stage because it's the only one present usually yeah so mm -hmm. for me literally it was like my entire childhood I kept on being asked like you have everything you could ever want in the world you know like middle class child who never wanted for anything in my life like how could you be like angry and upset all the time yep. and then I like went to college and I met Ashley Cunningham and I figured out that I had anxiety <laughs> <laughs> Put that on your is podcast. Is that the story? Is literally, that for me? Yeah. Is that the story? Mary? For me, yeah. No, literally. I, didn't know that. I mean, becoming friends with you definitely like, made me research mental health more, and like you would talk about it all. Like you can't be friends with you and not learn more about mental health. That's crazy. Um, I didn't know that. And it, so yeah, and I like I figured that it was out just like a part of your like life. I no, guess. like I figured out like so figuring out that anger could be considered like a, like a oh. manifestation of anxiety. Oh fuck! Don't tell me that. Pretty ah! much made so much and so I was always be so angry and like like, like that was like how it's and still mm -hmm. too much how I deal with like my anxiety is it just like builds up and then comes out in anger and it explained like so much of my life but like the only people I knew with anxiety like couldn't leave like there was this one girl I knew who like wouldn't come to school because she was too anxious and I was like oh yeah. well I go to school and I get anxious if I don't go to school right, right, right. so I can't have anxiety like yeah. I it's just it's such a I think it's a hard one because there's so many different ways there are so many different ways yeah so something that I have been struggling with is um, the anxiety of the anxiety that comes with like the own like personal pressures that we put on ourselves and like how um, if I don't meet a certain standard in like a sexual encounter then I am fucked up about it and I can't think about anything else but I'm gonna push my way through the sex anyway because I need to meet a different standard which is getting them off you know what I mean like and that's kind of what I experienced today I was like it doesn't matter that I feel like shit, and it doesn't matter that I have now been, I feel like I'm not doing my job, quote unquote, which I think is a perception that a lot of people have, like this job, this duty of like getting your partner off, mm -hmm. like I'm not doing my job right, what can I do to like do my job better? And I feel like that's a really common anxiety. Well, I think it, yes, and I think that is intimately wound up in how we define sex and pleasure and the fact that at least in this society we define sex around orgasm and yes specifically around the male orgasm true i was like true. because i couldn't get him up i was like and like sex is not complete until the dude comes True, we do Very measure true. by this. Yeah, no, that's exactly that's when it ends. Like, Sex nerd grand Sandra, finale. shout out, everyone go follow her. Sex nerd Sandra, um, <laughs> uh, I think talked about in one of her podcasts, one of my, her favorite podcasts, but it was all around like the idea that like, yo, 
orgasms can happen in the beginning, they can happen in the end, they can happen in the middle. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter if they happen at all. As long as... Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Well, I remember back when, um, you know, when you told us in the fall of 2013 that you had never had an orgasm and we oh, all... Oh, My God! Where were we? We were in the cafeteria at... Screamed? <laughs> oh, you're right, because the sound was bouncing yeah, around the, the other side of the uh, other side of the room, and we were convinced that everyone was hearing what we were saying. They totally, I they totally screamed <laughs> aloud. <laughs> all screamed, screamed aloud. Mm-hmm. And that started a discussion I about like, the fact that your like it was almost like your sex was invalidated in that moment societally by was. the fact that you had never had an orgasm, and that is bullshit. It is bullshit, right? I, Coming I from a gal that y'all all you, invalidated. Oh, I know. We, no, I, we didn't. It was we, just. It was. <laughs> I think in I think in a way, perhaps it validated you more because it was revelatory to all of us that you could talk about sex so openly and have, and be basically for all of us the authority on matters of sex. Yes. And and come from an an, an experience. That excluded this, orgasm. yeah. That excluded yeah. orgasm. That didn't include yet this part of the sexual experience for many, perhaps most people. Mm-hmm. Right. And I will say here, I'm just gonna shout it out that there is a um, misconception in society based on media that all orgasms are like this huge like plateau, and then we go up, 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 and then it's like. Based on the male orgasm. Right, but people reflected on the female orgasm as well. Yeah, they totally do. Just not true. So we want to acknowledge that we're using pretty gendered language here. While we're saying male and female orgasms, what we're really talking about are penis orgasms versus vagina orgasms. The point is, our societal standard for what an orgasm looks like is derived from a penis-centric point of view, which has the potential to ignore a lot of other orgasms. Even those of other men. Especially and Masters the and Johnson in the 60s proved that there are multiple orgasmic patterns. And I think my pattern is like this. <laughs> that has basically been proven for women. Women's orgasms are more like a sine curve than they are like a fucking... Thank you like... for putting words to my... <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. Back up. Something that my therapist and I have been talking about is... Um, like, in my own relationship, she's like, insecurity and anxiety will erode in a re- relationship regardless of how much you love each other or how much... Like, if you as a partner, like, I as a singular human, Ashley, am so wound up and I am making up reactions that my partner says and, like, wound up on anxiety and, like, that is fueled by insecurity, yep. I am tearing down myself on a daily basis in that relationship... It will crumble regardless of who my partner is, regardless of whether I love them, regardless of whatever. She said, basically, that because of your own anxieties, which she has identified as insecurity, which, I, which I'm not sure if I agree with, that... Susanna is me. She's experiencing my life. That any relationship <laughs> that you're in is destined to fail if you cannot tackle your own insecurities. Is that what she was saying? She's saying it's going to make it real hard. Okay. 
I do agree. Because they're going to certain... influence how you interact with your partner. I agree that they're... If I go into every relationship... Okay, like hold I... up. Let me say what I'm going to say. Hold... Okay, <laughs> I agree that a certain amount of security must exist. Mm -hmm. I think the way that that manifests can be different. Mm -hmm. I don't think... I think you can have security in a relationship and still be insecure in the self. I will say that <laughs> my relationship with much worse when she was in the height of her anxiety. Mm -hmm. But I will also say that I was a much worse partner mm -hmm. during that period of time. And my behavior contributed immensely from my point of view to her anxiety and to her experience of our relationship. And once we grappled with this together, my behavior improved and her anxiety decreased. So I think, and like there will be flare ups, you know, like mm -hmm. yeah. I, I anticipate there being points where I will have to re-encounter her anxiety and we will come to that when it happens. Mm -hmm. But I think knowing what I know now and being able to speak honestly and openly with her about it and how it makes me feel, which I was not able to do for a long time, is much more productive and ultimately means that we can move through it rather than around it. Mm-hmm. That's my two cents. Hmm. Yeah. I guess I just end that by being, by moving through it, you are helping eradicate. Like, not eradicate, I'm not, like, it all depends on what you're moving through, right? Mm -hmm. But I think what my therapist was saying, which was what you jumped off of, mm -hmm. uh, is that if I don't move through my own shit and whether my partner helps me move through my own shit mm. is whatever. It's like, I have a choice. Either I move through my own shit or my relationship is going to suffer or I can work through my own shit and my, my partner can help me move through that shit. I think what my therapist's big point was if, is if you don't move through the shit, Right, but, but there will I be think the way, at least the way that she put it, makes it sound like the shit can't still exist. Like, you can move through the shit and have the sh Like, you're still surrounded by the shit when you're moving through it. You know? Very, like, very true. Not to be yeah. graphic, but like... No, it's true. No, I mean, I think that that problem is mm -hmm. ever-present in my relationship mm -hmm. and, like, will continue to be moved through. And, like, I'm obvious, I don't feel in any way that I am, like, completely dealt with my anxiety. Like, mm -hmm. going to a therapist on a regular basis is definitely something that needs to happen, and I think that it will benefit my relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like we have, the same, since we started dating, we've, like, every few months had, like, the same fight because 
I like perceive things and like you don't know that you're perceiving things in a way because of anxiety mm-hmm. and I perceive plenty of things incorrectly because of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like in some ways it helps when we talk about it because then he's like, yeah, like let's we literally work through like the way I would in a counseling session. Like yeah. a few times I have gone to counseling, it's like working through the pat like the where my like thought process of like, like what I think literal cognitive function yes. has gone off exactly it's yeah. gone off track from what is actually being said and it's obviously a pattern and like we address it we literally end up addressing it like every few months when it like yeah. bursts comes mm-hmm. forward and I think it's just something that constantly needs to be talked to but yeah like it's that's the thing like like the reason that I got like Ugh, that I like that statement was that it almost sounded like okay your relationship is now destined to fail right but mm-hmm. I've been I mean we've been like going through cycles of this for almost four years I think mm-hmm. it's just it's just a painful part of your relationship that I feel like even as much as... I'm hopefully I'll be making more and more progress as the years progress, but yeah. I feel like as much progress as I make, it's still going to like always be a painful presence. Um, there hasn't been a lot of like funny stories. Talk about sex? I don't think we have to be funny every week. I'm not upset, honestly. Yeah. No, it's not like an upset, like, no, 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 I'm just thinking, um, I don't think we necessarily need to be like, I was so anxious when his dick blah blah blah, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, one bedroom thing that I was thinking about when you guys asked me, I'd be on the segment, just like a side. Oh, no, I guess. oh, you had time to think about Yeah, it. no, I did, you guys, <laughs> you guys brought the pain. We did, we proposed it. Put some simmering. Um, I guess it's not like, I think it, I don't know, I mean, I have only ever had one partner, so I think my experience of sex is obviously a lot different mm-hmm. than other people's. So, and he has also only ever had one partner, so we're like mm-hmm. experiencing sex together. Right. Yeah. So, when we try like a new thing, it's, trying a new thing for the very first time and right. I think that it can build up anxiety for me around trying new things mm-hmm. maybe added than other people would have because mm-hmm. I don't know like I get hyper anxious about everything like like in the doctor's office like you know like how like in particular like they you know they're trying to do a particular test you're like are putting your body in the wrong way that has always been like the only reason that I have fun with taking shots I have a tattoo and piercings, and I've never, I literally didn't, fl- it's a video of me never flinching during my tattoo. Like, but when it comes to, like, not being able to position myself in particular ways and shit, that's the mm. shit that makes me anxious with the doctor. So I feel like that translates oh, fuck yeah. to yeah, sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh, that's so interesting. God, you, like, triggered something about, like, actually about sex for me, and then I, like, almost forgot. Oh, what? yeah. So shame. So I feel like, you know, like... I feel like I still have some of that leftover, like, high school fever. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, it's not the worst school. fucking shit. I know. Why the fuck does why that stay with, with you, you for so long? <laughs> it does. Like, the, like, you know, masturbating in high school and feeling like you're a piece oh, of shit because girls aren't God. supposed to masturbate. Or, like, masturbating when you're 12 and feeling like you're a yes, piece of shit. No, I did uh, that, too. I did that, too. I think 12 or 11 is probably when I started yeah, masturbating. And I was definitely. Like, something is literally wrong with me. Like, I'm a depraved human yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So that feeling sometimes <laughs> comes to me in the middle of sex still. Mm. And then I, and I, I really, I don't know if that has to do with my anxiety or if it's just a thing that happens to people, right. but that will come to me in the middle of sex sometimes, and I have to like actively get myself back in the moment to not mm-hmm. be completely turned off. Like I, I don't know. I don't uh, know. anxiety is such a buzzkill. It's like, like wait, it's wait, 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 like, is that anxiety? Because my my question is like, I have this. Do you ever? Okay, this I I don't think I've ever described this to, to someone like. Do you ever have like really kinky sex or or say like 
I don't know, crazy On the kinkier side of the right, 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 sure, right, yeah. sure. Like, say crazy <laughs> shit in the bedroom that you would, like, not say normally. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And then find yourself outside of that situation, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, two hours or a day or a week later, and reflect on that and feel, like, disgusted. Yes. see myself thinking that in a couple yes. weeks like while in the moment like that's like what it mm-hmm. is it's like I'm just like oh this is like I'm so disgusting for being right. like turned on by this right now yeah. and it like kills me <laughs> yeah like who was that person who could say that shit and like find it hot I don't know that's such a I I, I almost don't think that has anything to do with anxiety I kind of think that is just a crazy facet of humanity that like somehow we go about our normal daily lives and like don't hump the couch and then, <laughs> you know and then, like <laughs> end up in the bedroom with like another human being and like do all this crazy shit that like mm-hmm. normally doesn't even occur to us yeah so mm-hmm. like I feel like for women at least like hopefully this changes but for like women like I did not really think about sex in the way that I think about it now until I got to college. Like, I felt like I was just, like, in my own little bubble, masturbating. If I had been in a relationship in high school, it's a little different. Well, that's the thing. I was in a relationship in high school, and I think that changes things. Yeah, and so I was never in a relationship. Some of my friends were, and they would talk Mm -hmm. to each other, but, like, a bunch of us weren't, and I would literally just be in my own bubble. Like, I masturbated, like, pretty much every day, but I didn't tell any of my friends, and then, like, in... Once we went to college and all came back, we were all like, oh, yeah, we were all masturbating that whole time. The first time I masturbated or figured out masturbation oh was by crossing my legs really tight oh, yeah. in like math class in like the third. And you're like, oh, something. fun. <laughs> I went to Scotland with a group of my friends, including my high school boyfriend, to perform this show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and we went on this day of like high line, zip line like, rock climbing shit, and I remember putting on this harness and going down this high line and getting off and, like, going over to my boyfriend at the time and being like, that was fucking great. Like, that harness was was amazing, and you need to step it up. Oh my god! Uh, this was also the same trip that he fingered school. me on for the first time, so, like, <laughs> we were just starting our sexual journey today. I had this yeah. friend in high school who got off on, like, a roller coaster. Oh. It's so hard, yo. I mean... You can get yeah. off, like, riding a fucking horse. Yeah? Up well, and down ow. and up and down. I know, up and down, but it's Sometimes hard. on my bike, I'm like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? No. Yeah. Okay, wait. I'm gonna get up on a soapbox. Stand up on that soapbox, girl. (laughs) I'm standing. (laughs) So, here's my soapbox. Um, I'm yelling at myself and everyone in the world. (laughs) Um, Fuck! Where'd my soapbox go? Is that wine on your socks? Yes. (laughs) I hope you appropriate for the segment. Yes, let the record show that I have wine bottles on my socks. And grapevines. Oh, wait, okay, soapbox. There has to be a recognition, like, 
I feel like there are so many people that feel like they cannot speak about their anxieties or their worries or their perceptions of the relationship and the world around them because they see it as not normal and they see it as not like accepted and they see it as something that will get punished. And I guess my soapbox is just that um, what I have come to realize is that when you openly discuss whether it's anxiety or perception of the world whatever as wrong as you think it might be as like whatever like this isn't normal no one thinks this way mm -hmm. whatever um if you actually say it out loud then you can actually move through it and you will never move through it if you never speak it out loud True. and i think that's something that i have personally i mean i'm literally and, and if you have a partner that shames you about it and you have a partner that doesn't and does make you feel like not normal and like rejects your perceptions then like maybe they fucking suck that's my soapbox <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening to our episode this week it was a doozy yeah it was a lot it was, it was maybe fewer laughs than we'd have than we've had in the past but i think that's okay we just want to extend a special thanks to, to our former roommate, the one Miss Maria de Pasquale. So lay. Lay. <laughs> that was like a hanging lay. I was like, lay. Yeah, no, thank you for coming all the way to New York, all the way to New York to hang with me and talk about all the things that we always talk about but recorded. Okay, and I'm sorry for bringing your podcast down. That bottle of red wine. <laughs> Oh, girl, don't spill your champagne. Like us, share us, you know the deal. Yeah. Bye. See you next time. Stay wet. <laughs>